Jam Session is a podcast where two guys who grew up in Dallas-Fort Worth discuss sports, craft beer, life, and their experiences living in one of America's most vibrant cities. If you love sports, you're going to love this show. If you love craft beer or you're curious about it, you'll love this show. Great conversations with good friends is what Jam Session is all about. Welcome. It's nice to have you here. I hope you enjoy it. I think you will. You're listening to the Jam Session Podcast. I was told that I could listen to the radio at a reasonable volume. With Cowboys insider... What's your name? Jean-Jacques Taylor. That's my name. Radio personality and craft beer expert, Matt McLaren. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. Comes from upbringing. And now, the Jam Session Podcast. It is indeed Jam Session. Subscribe, rate, and review. Hang out with us for a while right here on the Jam Session Podcast. Sponsored, as always, by Greening Law. The personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas, Greening Law, fights the legal battle so you have time for healing and renewal. But right now, that moment we've all been waiting for has arrived. Ladies and gentlemen, the radio TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. What up, though? I would be the non-sexy one. It's Matt McLaren. This, my friends, is Jam Session, the podcast version 209, asking simply that you prepare to be dazzled. If not entertained. A lot to get into and discuss. I mean, some just bizarre real-world issues that we will throw out just briefly. We've got huge news huge news in the sports broadcasting realm. We'll take a trip around the block. The Mavs are back for the second half. The PGA Tour is all pissed off. I mean, there's all kinds of stuff to jump into today. But before we do any of that, we start you off as always, because I don't know, maybe this is the podcast you hear and you're like, oh, you guys keep telling me what happens when in a car wreck. What do I do? It happened finally. I had one. I need the number. Yeah, it's the message from the attorneys at Greening Law. Maybe it was a car accident. Maybe you were injured on the premises of a business. They've handled a variety of clients from car accidents to birth injuries to cases involving hospitals. They are your fierce legal competitor against the insurance companies. Dude, it's grinning law, man. And they handle their... What I mean, if you get into one of those incidents that Matt just talked about, pick up the phone. Give him a call. doesn't cost you anything to pick up the phone, give him a call, and say, yo, here's the details of my situation. What do you think? And then if they take you on as a client, <laughs> they grind for you, man. They work around the clock for you. They ask you questions that you didn't even know were supposed to be asked. They give you answers to the test. And they don't get paid unless you get paid, which to me is the ultimate caveat. It's easy to do. And again, that consultation, absolutely free. You just pick up the phone, you give them a call, and you go through the process, man. 972-934-8900. It's 972-934-8900. It's Robert Greening, offices, Dallas, Texas. Also, of course, as always, Blue Star Motor Group, specializing in superior quality, Carfax certified, pre-owned vehicles of all makes and models. I've told you this, it's so super easy. It's the easiest thing ever when you are going into a car buying process to involve Blue Star Motor Group because all you got to do, pick up the phone, you can text them. You don't even have to shoot them a call, 817-881-4066. Deb and Mike, they make the car buying process absolutely as easy as it could possibly ever be. Dude, the thing I like about Deb and Mike is they're all about the win-win situation, man. Not everybody is, if we're going to keep it real, but they're about win-win. When the handshakes are done... 
and everybody signed their contracts and they've made a deal. Hopefully that you bought a car from them or they sold, you sold them their car, real car, not a piece of junk, but a car that like drives and stuff Yeah, that, you know, um, everybody's happy, man. That's how they do their business. That's why they've been successful because they want you to feel as good about the deal when it's over as they feel. Exactly. And it's so easy. It's so very easy. 817-881-4066. You can make it happen or check out their inventory right now. Jump online and see what they've got for you at bluestarmotorgroup.com. So we start this off, and this was interesting today, and I guess this is developing news over the last couple of days, but this whole sports broadcasting landscape that is about to drastically change. And I say that in the sense that the report started to emerge that Troy Aikman was going to leave Fox. And now the reports are coming out that Troy Aikman is going to ESPN, that he is going to take over as their lead analyst for Monday Night Football, to the tune of a five-year deal worth $17.5 million a year, which is exactly what Tony Romo was getting from CBS, although he's doing a 10-year, got a 10-year deal that he's doing with them. But Aikman, I didn't even realize this. I, like, I guess we get so <laughs> used to when you turn on Sunday TV and you're watching football, you're just like, oh, yeah, these guys have been doing it for a while. Joe Buck and Troy Aikman have been calling games together on Fox since 2002. That's unbelievable, bro. It didn't strike like, like I didn't think it'd been twenty years. No, I mean I can't sit and tell you that I thought it was either until I started looking at the dates. I'm like, wow. Yeah, that's a long time, brother. But man, it's this is going to get really interesting because Amazon throwing their hat in the ring and they're going to control Thursday night football. It'll only be available on Amazon in this the fall Thursday night games. And so they've been trying to go after Al Michaels has been the rumor that he's going to leave NBC and then NBC is going to, I guess, promote Mike Tirico. Do they want to keep him with Chris Collins? There's about to be a bunch of movement where the only thing that might be stable is the Jim Nance, Tony Romo team at CBS. Well, I mean, you know, I think it's because when you look at these jobs, what is it? Two man crews. And so when one domino leaves like this, I think oftentimes they tend to they tend to work in tandem. And the contracts are done in tandem. Uh, so you don't get this one guy's up and one guy's not up. And so when you have it like this, I mean, if, if Aikman leaves, the only thing they can do is be dominoes unless, you know, Fox were to let Buck out of his contract so he could go join Aikman. And I don't know why they do that. Just, I mean, why are we doing you a solid? Yeah, man, I, I don't know what is going to happen here, but it sounds like Aikman would be interested in having Buck come with him which would completely open up the Fox position. If he doesn't and Buck stays at Fox, then we would get, uh, who knows? I mean, who, who knows who they would end up pairing with Troy Aikman? There's the idea that Al Michaels has really wanted to work with Troy Aikman and was trying to get him to go with him to Amazon. But now that Al Michaels may go and join Troy Aikman at ESPN, I don't know what's going to happen here. There, there's so many different names that are being thrown out. I read a report earlier today that Fox is looking at Sean Payton to walk right off the field and be the analyst next to Joe Buck, that they have contacted NBC about possibly working out something to trade for Drew Brees to get him out of the studio. <laughs> and, and, you know, I, I wonder about that. I think Brees and Peyton would be good, but I thought Jason Witten would be really good, and I thought Booger McFarland might be good. And Bro, let me tell you, just tell you something, man. And, and we all know this. Well, no, we don't. Let me Let me rephrase it. Like, okay, put it like this, man. I got a friend of mine, Big Joe and the Big Rig, who I've talked about often on the show. 
Well, he's putting together a podcast. And he's asking me all these questions, half of which I send to Matt because I have no idea because they're about technical stuff. Uh, so he did his first demo, you know, a month ago. He calls me up. He goes, oh, my God, this is harder than I thought, man. Y'all make it look so easy. I talked for six minutes. I was like, oh, my God, I got 30 more minutes to talk about. Six minutes? <laughs> <laughs> and so wow. my point is people think that you can just get anybody. Oh, he knows the game. Yeah. He can go do TV like Jason Witten. I mean, nobody knows more about the game than Jason Witten. That's not the issue. It's can you communicate what you know clearly? And check this out. Me and Matt have dealt with this before. Can you do that with somebody talking in your ear and not looking like you distracted while you're talking about it? Because your producer's in there going, hey, cut, cut, cut. We got 10 seconds left. We got yeah. five seconds left. Hurry up with your point. Hurry up with your point. Or look at this cutest video I got looking up. Talk about that. And all that's going on at once while you got to speak clearly and concisely. And not everybody can do it just because you know the game, man. People make it look easy. And it ain't easy. No, it's not. And, and that's why I'll be real curious to see what Fox does here, what the play is going to be. I, I am one of the people, I like Joe Buck. I like the way that Joe Buck calls a game. I really enjoy Buck and Aikman together. I think Troy Aikman is phenomenal. I have liked Joe Buck calling games because I like how he just lets the game, for the most part, do what he does. A lot of people hate Joe Buck. I don't, I've never understood why. But I think Buck and Aikman are about as good as they get. I mean, nobody's ever going to be Summerall and Madden. That's just never going to happen again. You know, right. Jim Nance is so over-the-top corny to me. <laughs> Romo is phenomenal. But I, I don't know, like, Al Michaels is one of the great play-by-play boys. I like Mike Tirico a lot. I think Mike Tirico's a great play-by-play guy. So I think it'll be really curious to see how some of these pairings wind up as some of these dominoes get moved around a little bit. Now, I am curious about this. How much do you care about who's broadcasting the game? Very little. Okay, because I care even less than that. Very 99% little. of the time. There are certain people who, if they are on a game, and I, I hate to say it, Robert Griffin III got that way for me this year. I, I started muting games I was watching when he was on the call because he was trying too hard with these cliches, and it, it felt like he was trying to figure himself out. And hopefully somebody in the offseason told him, stop making these stupid-ass cliche jokes that aren't funny. Just call the play and do what you do without having to... You know, he, he just... It was so strange. And, and, you know, he would offer good analysis, but then he wouldn't stop. He would be, you know, throw out your favorite cliche. It'd be, well, you know, there's a great... He did this, this, and this here. But, hey, when the tough gets going, the going gets tough. And when you're down, everybody who's been down, you got to pick yourself back. Like that type of thing where you're just like, oh, my God, I get it. Well, so I think that's a that's that's all part of being polished, and some of that is, you know, it's it, people have a hard time being unique, and they just they I mean athletes in general rely on cliches, quarterbacks more than most because they're always talking while trying to say nothing, and so you have to get out of that that deal where you're talking trying yeah. to say nothing because you're actually guess what trying to actually say something that will get people to listen and tune in. Uh, to the broadcast yeah and and so there are very few like and i think that's what's really interesting is the guys that are for the most part on the number one or number two crews i it, you could mix and match them probably for the and I, it wouldn't bother me at all they're the guys that are on the lower crews there are guys down there that i'm like please do not let this ha be a game where they're on it now here's the other interesting thing about that to me is you know i think and again, I didn't pay a whole lot of attention because I just don't, I just don't get down with the announcers like that for the most part. 
But uh, I think the the Monday Night Crew this year got a solid, you know, vote. You know, everybody yeah. seemed to everybody seemed to like uh, Steve, whatever his name is from ESPN. Yeah, because Steve Levy. Sti- Steve Levy, because he kind of did a solid job and stayed out of the way. And then they liked uh, Lewis. I'm having another old man moment today. Lewis uh, Riddick. Lewis and, Riddick, because he Greasy. does what. And, well, he's a Michigan guy, so I remember him. <laughs> uh, <laughs> All right, fair enough. <laughs> But, you know, basically everybody said, oh, y- y'all did a pretty solid job. Now, I don't think everybody said it was spectacular, but you're more like, damn, this is how the game goes. Those cats are just SOL. You know what I mean? I'm, you know, on to the next one. Yeah, I mean, pretty much. I mean, that's the way that it goes, man. And I, I don't know. I think it's really interesting. It, it's, it's amazing to me that these guys, and granted, Troy Aikman played in a completely different era. He only ever made $55 million playing in the NFL. Which is a lot uh, of money, but that's all he ever made in his entire career playing in the NFL. And now he's about to make in the next whatever it is, five years, he's going to make almost $100 million. I think the other thing is he never, and it's all relative because when he was making $16 million, that was a hell of a lot of yeah, money. Yeah, right, right, yeah. Um, but, you know, the other thing is he never made more than $16 million in a season. So this will eclipse whatever his biggest earning season was in the NFL. And, um, you know, it's the power of TV, man, and it's the power of people like Romo who redefined the, the money, you know what I mean? Because his contract came up when he was hot, the bidding game began, and all he did was set the, um, uh, you know, set the bar at another level. Yeah, I, I think, you know, Romo might be the one guy when he's on a call, I'm like, okay, cool, Romo's calling this game. Because Romo calls a game like how I think if I was an analyst, I would call a game, but I don't have nearly the knowledge of the quarterback position, obviously, that he does. But he brings a little bit of that fan, just almost giddiness to watching the game where he freaks out about certain plays and stuff. And he's like, oh, did you see that? And I think that that's how a lot of us watch the game. But then you're watching it with a guy who can break it down like a savant of football. Dude, I mean, that's what it's all about. It's can you can you take the nuance that you know and give it to other people. I mean, that's what the whole game's about. And some people had like wouldn't know the nuance, but yeah. he couldn't get it out clearly. He couldn't get it out eloquently. He couldn't get it out quickly. Whereas you know somebody like Aikman has has figured out how to get it out. Even though he ain't the funniest guy, although he has some funny moments, but he, he can operate in that very small window in terms of getting it out before the next play goes and before you you know run over buck. Yeah, there's something to the guys that are that level of analyst, which is interesting. Romo does it, and just the way that he presents it works really well. Aikman does it, and you go, I mean, the dude won three Super Bowls, so he probably knows what he's talking about. (laughs) You know, it's kind of different. Like, Romo never even played in a Super Bowl, never played in a conference championship, as we all know. But there's a lot of respect, and I think it's just because he approaches it. And obviously, he hits so early because he would predict plays. Like, oh, they're going to do this because of this and this. And then he was right so often that people are like, oh, my God, this dude's genius. So I think there's a little different there. Well, yeah, and I I think some of that is he was really just doing what he did. I mean, it's this down and this distance, this situation. He was one year out the league. I'm a quarterback, so I would do this. He studied that team all week. From a from a quarterback perspective, not from like a layman perspective, and so, yeah, I mean, it it was it was cool when he did that, but if you understand him and who he is and what he did, it really wasn't that complicated for him. You know yeah. what I mean? And that's why his success rate was so high. Um, the the interesting thing is other people who are other players, even quarterbacks, hadn't thought to do that. 
Yeah, yeah. So I don't know. I think it's it's going to be interesting. The ESPN thing will be interesting because they had a successful, for the most part, like you mentioned, those guys that were calling the games this year had good reviews. The problem was they didn't have the the Q factor, so to speak, to compete well, with yeah. the Manning cast. Well, Levy and, and Greasy have no Q factor. Right. And uh, Lewis Riddick has a pretty good one. But even then, it, it doesn't compare to to the other guys. Right, to Peyton Manning um, and Eli Manning doing their Manning right. cast. And I think ESPN wants something with name recognition on a level like that so that it rises up the entire thing because they're going to continue doing the Manning cast. No, I think they just signed for like three more years or whatever. Yeah, and, and uh, did you ever watch that? No. I checked it out, and it was one of the – I don't know how in the world people watched it for more than – like five ten minutes at a time okay see that's the problem man i'm too much of a that's why i told you to me this is just your boy now so you know it's just me i'm always about the game i'm not about all this other stuff almost cursed but i'm I'm just not about i mean the announcers are cool but i don't get hyped over the announcers peyton manning he's cool and what he does is cool but i I can't watch the game i didn't come to watch you and your pithy remarks it's to this point man that's why You know, when I stopped going to the Super Bowl three or four years ago, for the most part, people, hey, we're having a Super Bowl party. Come on. I'm not interested in your Super Bowl party because I want to watch the game. <laughs> and if you have a Super Bowl party, what is it? You've always got the loud mouth who's, who's saying why the coach is dumb or the players are dumb or how much he knows. <laughs> yeah. And you got this other group of people who are cheering. And you got somebody who's trying to ask you about the Cowboys. And there's all this thing going on so you can never watch the game. Um, now, I will tell you. I once went to Barry Vagoda. Did you ever meet Barry Vagoda? I do not believe so. Okay. Anyway, Barry Vagoda. I, I didn't know because he was in Dallas for a minute. Uh, he was the editor at ESPN Dallas. Great dude. And he had a big house in Frisco. And he had a Super Bowl party. I said, dude, I love you. I ain't coming to your party. And I told him, why? Hey, no, no, JJT, don't worry about that. I have rules in place for people like you. And I said, what do you mean you got rules in place for people like me? If you're a serious football watcher, you, you want to watch the game intensely, you get to watch it upstairs in home theater. If you're a person who wants to watch the game but you want to talk all in between, you watch it on the 70-inch TV downstairs. I said, oh. I said, do you enforce these rules? He said, oh, yeah, absolutely. I said, all right. And so I went over there, dude, watched the game, and that's exactly what happened. The people upstairs were, like, seriously watching the game, very little chatter. Hmm. And if you went downstairs, it was nonstop chatter. Because, and, you know, it was a family thing. So there was wives and kids there and, and everybody. So, you know, downstairs was a, was a lot more, um, you know, whatever you want, however you want to watch the game is cool. That's cool. Yeah, yeah. that's the way to do it. Yeah. So yeah, that makes sense. And the Manning cast is very similar to what you're describing. Like when I would flip over to the Manning cast, and I checked it out a couple of times, when it was just Peyton and Eli and they were watching the game, <laughs> then you got some really interesting commentary. But when right. they had a guest on, a lot of the times the plays would go by and they wouldn't even acknowledge the game. They would just be talking about whatever. Yeah. And I'm, yeah. I know, thought that I, was weird. I'd be like, well, I want to know what's happening in the game. I don't care what random guy has to say. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> just exactly. me personally. But I think what that is, is in a podcast driven, content driven world that we are becoming, that is kind of what I think you're going to see more and more of that in the future of the Manning cast of where you have a lot of different options going on all at once to give you as much as possible all in your face at one time. Bro, it's uh, I mean, I think it's a good option and people seem to really enjoy it. I'm like in the minority, I think, in terms of people who didn't enjoy it. Yeah. 
Uh, matter of fact, this is what it is. When they show you just the highlights of like, <laughs> you should have seen Peyton and yeah. Eli, this was pretty funny. Okay, I got all I needed because I saw the funny part. Yeah, pretty much. And, and again, I mean, the reality of it is that that type of broadcast, the demographic for that is the younger demographic. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. And, and that's, that's kind of where a lot of things are starting to go. I mean, it's really interesting. The future of media, of how you, even with radio and television and the way that we'll consume it, you're going to see a lot of drastic changes over the course of the next decade where it's, it's just a lot more because attention spans for the people that are coming up now are way less than they've ever been. So they've got to give you this, 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 this all the time. Otherwise, you're going to leave to find where you can look at 12 different things at once instead of just one or two. They're basically zero, bro. It's wild, man. It is wild. It is also wild the taste, the flavor, the sensation that you will get when you put a piece of sliced biltong into your mouth. And you know how you do that? You go to bruisebiltong.com at B-R-U-S-B-I-L-T-O-N-G and you order your bag of biltong. It's like beef jerky, but it's a traditional South African air-dried meat. And I wasn't kidding. I mean, it's true. You, Jacques had it. I mean, it, it's more savory. It's more tender. There's no sugar. There's no artificial ingredients. It's fantastic. I think it's a phenomenal snack. No, I, I mean, I got to tell you, I thought I, when we first heard about it, I, I had to tell you, I was like, Okay, this, it sounds great, but, uh, I mean, really, how much different from beef jerky can it be? <laughs> That's what I thought. <laughs> uh, I mean, I, I'm just keeping it real. Like, That's awesome. Uh, like, okay, dog. I know, but, I was kind of you know, like, like, I mean, I'll try it, but it's, I mean, come yeah. on. Yeah, I mean, really, like, uh, how much different can it be? And then I took some, I was like, oh, my God. I know. This is this is different. This is the real deal. And so it's it's tender, it's succulent, it's juicy, so to speak. It's It's amazing. I like the sliced bill tongue, and bro, I, I can't say how good it is enough, man. Yeah, it's fantastic. Everybody, for the most part, that I know that has tried it absolutely enjoys it. It is, it's really a nice snack. I mean, you can get the small bags, you can get the bigger bags, but the thing of it is, this is a low-calorie, high-protein, again, similar to beef jerky, but way easier to chew. It's just, it's just more tender. It's, a, it's, a, it's awesome. It's built on. It's bruisebiltong.com. Go there, use the promo code JAM15 at checkout. That's J-A-M-15, and you'll get 15% off your order. And again, keep in mind, we're the only podcast that Bruise Biltong has ever sponsored. We're the only podcast he ever does anything with. So check them out at bruisebiltong.com. Also, of course, JR and his guys over there at Freeway Tire Shop. It's like Jacques' home away from home where he takes... <laughs> And leaves all of his cars at some point. But point being, like, sometimes you got, you'll have something go wrong with your car, and it's just a little minor thing. Sometimes you've had some serious work done, but regardless of whatever it is, JR is still giving you that customer service and standing behind from the small things to the big things. No, and that's, that's what I love about JR. It's For me, it, it's all about trust. I dropped my car off the, uh, I think it was last week, man. I said, hey, I think I need an alignment. It's rumbling when I decelerate, especially coming off the highway where the speeds are higher. He dropped it off. He calls Jack. Hey, good thing you're not a mechanic. It's your brakes and your rotors that need to be replaced. Your alignment is okay. I said, well, that's why you make the big bucks. Uh, <laughs> but he did that for me, man. And uh, I didn't. He said, let me get you an estimate. I said, dude, just you know how I roll, man. Don't give me the top of the line tires because I need a couple of them. Give yeah. me the next in line and just you know go ahead and do it because I need my car back. So I ain't got time for you to wait and give me an estimate. I would never do that with somebody other than Jr. And he hits me back. He says, hey, here's the price. I got your premium parts on the rotors and the brakes. I got you this quality tire, so you good. It's good, but not great, but that's what you said. And I was like, okay, what's the damage? He said, boom, here you go. I go, well, I've never liked to spend this much money, but at least I'm giving it to you. 
Uh, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, so it's about nine hundred dollars, but I felt good paying the nine hundred dollars because I knew all the work was done properly, bro. And that's what I trust about him. And here's this: and if it if something else popped up on along the way in the same area, all I gotta do is take it back and say, "Yo, dog, is doing this." And he says, "Oh, bring it in," and then he'll get it back to me right away. I mean, he gets you taken care of. It's that simple. The mechanic you can trust, the mechanic who stands behind his work, the mechanic where we would take all of our cars. It's the place to go at Freeway Tire Shop. It is just north of downtown Dallas. And again, you can go online. You can get all the information, schedule an appointment, request a quote. Make sure you tell JR, hey, I heard about you on Jam Session. I know Jacques brings all your cars. I'm What you got for me? And he'll get you taken care of at Freeway Tire Shop. All right, so let's take this trip around the block here because, man, there's so many of these fun little stories to get into. First off, we will start with you, where you're at, because in Dallas, I understand, you are going through Ice Storm 2022. Dude, you know, man, it was like 80 degrees I had on shorts and a tank top the other day. Wow. And now we're back. I just looked at the temperature. I think it's 30. It was, it's been 24 most of the day. The sun hadn't come out. Uh, but yesterday, man, it, it was supposed to start in the evening. It started a little early, bro, because I went to pick uh, my kids up from school. Um, and so I picked them up about 2.30, and I was headed downtown, and, you know, I was going about uh, 40, because I, res- I do respect the ice, even though there, it didn't appear to be that bad. Yeah. And, dude, I'm on 67, and I feel those tires leave, and mm-hmm. I'm just like, well, I'm no longer in control of this vehicle. And it was headed right toward the restraining wall. Damn. And so I, I, I did what you're supposed to do. I'm off the gas. I kind of gingerly guide the wheel back and it catches and it just kind of stops and starts sliding back and then it straightens up and i'm like okay i survived that one and so now i'm back rolling again and shoot man about 15 minutes later it did the same thing fishtailed out the back uh luckily both times there was nobody near me although there was people on the streets yesterday and so uh you know finally you know i got where i was going i was like all right uh you know let's uh let's uh let's let's lay low for a while yeah man dang did you did you see there's a video going around and i couldn't tell what road this was it might have been like 35 or something of the fire truck that was on the way to help somebody else right oh dude they they were helping like two 18 wheelers right yeah yeah and they, they hit some ice and they just skidded and ended up i was like dang you don't see that much Dude, I mean, what people, I mean, you know, people in the north make fun. <laughs> you can't, a little bit of ice, a little bit of snow, y'all can't drive. <laughs> We're a highway city, man, with nothing but bridges and mixed masters and all this stuff, 60, 70 feet up in the air. All that stuff is made with, out of what? Metal. <laughs> and so when it gets a little bit of ice on it, brother, you're cooked. You're done. There's nothing you can do about it. Yeah, that's true, dude. I mean, it, it's, I'll tell you. You know, another thing that the northern people don't get is that we just don't have in the south the equipment and the chemicals and all that type of stuff that are used for roadways to help you clear all that stuff off. I mean, basically in the south, they're like, okay, well, we just got to deal with this for two days out of the year, shut everything down, it'll melt, and we'll get back to normal. Dude. Yeah, but that that ain't... Yeah, I mean, as long as you don't die in the process. You know what I mean? Um, Because I had to think going downtown, bro... I was I was headed one way, and at the last second, I was like, "Oh, you know what? I don't want to be caught on them bridges over there." Uh, and it it wasn't just about me; it was about the other people. And so I slid, not literally, but I I got off just in time, and so I was able to take streets where I was gonna go because I had much more control over that. 
Always important to be safe on the ice. Meanwhile, for me, I've been enjoying temperatures in the mid-60s, low-70s this week. Oh, well, yeah, lucky you. Yeah, which is weird because, you you know, Birmingham is slightly more north than Dallas is on the, the grand scheme of the planet. But for whatever reason, that ice storm, it kind of made like a weird arc where it dipped down and hit Dallas and south and then kind of made an arc up towards the north. And like where I live, we've been having abnormally warm temperatures. <laughs> it's very strange. I was gonna say weather is a, weather's a strange deal, bro. It it is. That is a very true fact. So the other thing, and you brought this to my attention. I had seen this. I don't know. I might have saw this earlier today. But you have forty one years ago, as we record this on February twenty fourth, forty one years ago today in nineteen eighty one, Australian Rick Springfield released his fifth. I didn't realize this is on his fifth album. He released his fifth studio album called Working Class Dog, which ended up containing one of the big hits of the 1980s, one of the like highly listened to songs in history. Jesse's Girl was on that album. Now, what? why does that song a hit? I, I, I just sounds good. I don't know. I mean, it, it's got ring, bing, ding, 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 ding. Everybody knows what it is. <laughs> and he's talking yeah. about, you know, he wishes that he had Jesse's Girl for whatever reason, that that's the, he wanted Jesse's girl. I don't know. I guess maybe it's one of those things where sometimes people have looked at the lover of a friend or something. They're like, yeah, I, I understand what he's talking about. I don't, I, I don't know. I don't know why it was. Uh, dude, it's, it's just a cool song. I mean, I think we were losing because Rick Springfield was on General Hospital at that point. Yeah, he was, yeah. And, and uh, that was right when I was about 13, 14, so – Yes, I, I used to watch General Hospital, so yeah, I was I was down for that. And he was a heartthrob. Not for me. Not for you, I, but for probably women in the early <laughs> 80s. God. Or maybe Actually, it was for you. I don't know. No, I mean, there's nothing wrong for that. Uh, can I t Okay, let's take a quick aside. All right. You know, that's one of the biggest differences that I do now, man. And I'm very cognizant of it. What, checking um, out guys? No, man. It's when I teach my class at SMU. Is that I try not to like normally like five years ago, I would say, you know, ladies, when you're about to kiss your boyfriend, you don't sit there and go left, right, middle. You, you, you just do it. You don't think about it. You need to take the same approach in writing. Don't think about it. Just go and do it. Or I just say, guys, when you're about to kiss your girlfriend. Well, now I don't even say that. I, I say if you're involved with your significant other because, you know, you just don't want to make people feel uncomfortable because, you know, you know, there's a lot of gay people out there. There's a lot of gay people in your classes. Some of them you know about, some of them you don't know about. Or people, you know, trying to figure out, you know, which pronoun they want to be addressed by. And so you're trying to make everybody feel as comfortable as possible. In the meantime, it's kind of hard because you're used to operating one way and you got to try to operate another way to make everybody feel inclusive. Yeah, that's very true, man. That is very true. And, and that's the, the world in which we live in these days. Yeah. I've always been like, I just uh, like, whatever. I mean, whatever works for you is cool for me. That's great. I, it, it's awesome. Doesn't, I, I've never cared. I don't know why other people care sometimes. Doesn't make any sense to me. Bro, but no idea. You know, the interesting thing about Jesse's Girl for me is Rick Springfield. So where we live in Birmingham, this is what's interesting about living in smaller cities. Like... Anytime you get really used to anybody who lives in a big city and, and those of you listening in Dallas, Fort Worth know what I'm talking about. Or if you live in another major city, 
the level of like news and radio that you get in, in larger areas is just on a different scale. And so the, the music radio stations in this city are not quite on par with what you would get in DFW. So we have satellite radio that we use mainly also because I like listening to Howard Stern's interviews, but satellite radio has a station called eighties on eight. Yeah. And on Sunday afternoons, Rick Springfield is one of their guest DJs. Really? Yes. And so we were driving the other day, we were driving from Asheville down to Athens and Rick Springfield was the guest DJ. And he was just telling stories about his career and he ended up playing Jesse's girl. And I don't know, it's interesting because he had all these different stories about bands that he was playing that he had toured with or, and I didn't know he was Australian until a few weeks ago when I, I heard him on Sirius or on, on XM or whatever. And I heard him talking about how he was originally from Australia. And I was like, I had, what? You're Australian? I had no idea. He doesn't sound Australian No, he doesn't anymore, sound does that he? Australian. No, that's what was so weird is that, I mean, he is god-awful on the radio. Like, he just mumbles and he says, like, these weird things and rambles on and, and makes these corny-ass jokes. But, you know, <laughs> when he sticks to the stories that, like, he, he knows some of these guys. He'll be like, oh, this is from, you know, like, he's, he told this story the other day about the guys that sing Down Under, that song, who's it, Men at Work. And he said, you know, because they're also Australian. He said, and so minute work and this, this lyric means this and this means this. And we toured with them a couple of times and blah, blah, you know, and then so, and then there you go. But like, for instance, like he came on the other day and he goes, oh, this is it. This is my final time before I, I say goodbye for this week. And oh, I know my heart's breaking too. Oh, 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 oh you're going to miss me and I'm going to miss you. I was like, <laughs> God, what are you doing? I was like, shut up and just play the damn song. God. <laughs> You know, please. But yeah, I thought that was interesting. I that he, that's one thing that Sirius XM will do from time to time on these music channels is they have these guest DJs, and it'll be every once in a while to be like some prominent name, I guess, who's just in their house and they're hosting for like an hour or two, just playing songs they like. Just hey man, I mean, you could do that. I, mean, I know I could do it for my house. Aficionado. Yeah, you could you could just be playing a couple songs that you loved. I should do that. I should be like, all right, and here it is. And uh, sorry, ladies, uh, I know you're going to miss me. Oh, I'm going to miss you too. I'm Rick Springfield. <laughs> I don't know what else to say. But Jesse's wow. Girl, I would say Jesse's Girl is one of the great all-time songs of the 1980s. That's pretty, uh, it's a pretty good song, man. I was just listening when you called, and you said, is that Jesse's girl in the background? Yeah. I go, yeah, bro. It's released 41 years ago today. Yeah, man. I mean, that, that has to be one of the most recognizable songs of that, of that year, of that era. I, like I told you, I was like, man, I know that song immediately. Like right when I hear it, like within three notes, I probably know exactly what that is. You'd probably be good at uh, naming it tune. It depends on the genre. But yes. So Jesse's girl ended up being the number five song for the year 1981. Pretty good, pretty good, pretty good. You'll never guess number one. I wouldn't have guessed that this was the number one song. From night. Hmm. Yeah, I mean, you'll never night. guess it. So, like, I'll tell you, Lady by Kenny Rogers was number three. Okay. Endless Love from Diana Ross and Lionel Richie was number two. Damn. I mean, you're just never going to guess it, so I'll tell you. probably, I don't even know if you'll remember this song. Betty Davis Eyes from Ken Carnes. She's got Betty Davis Eyes. Yeah, there you go. Yeah, I remember that song. Yeah, God, what a great song that is. Yeah, my girlfriend at the time, who I can't stand now, 
Uh, that was her song. That's the only reason I knew that. Did she have Betty Davis eyes or she wanted to pretend that she did? I don't know. I think she just liked it. And she moves you. She'll confuse you. You know. <laughs> she was at Betty Davis. Yeah, it's a great song. I don't know why. Like, the 80s is my wheelhouse of music. I, I can name a lot of 80s music, like, real quick. And I don't know what it is. I've just, I've always loved 80s music. That's, that's probably, believe it or not, my hot spot. You know, because even in the 90s, like, I really just listened to a certain genre in the 90s. I don't know. I might be, I might be decent at 90s. It depends. I'd be curious to see. Maybe I should try myself on that. <laughs> <laughs> As I just figured this out loud. See, see, see. All right. I've got a couple other things for you here in this version of the All block. Right. So the other thing, and I came across this article, and I thought, what the hell? So apparently Six Flags has a new CEO. And one of the things that Six Flags wants to focus on for this year and moving forward is they want to up what they are offering you as far as food items for more profitable and better tasting. And so this dude is on record. He says, over the past 100 days, We've been reformulating our menu and testing new recipes. I have tried over 100 burgers, 200 slices of pizza, and 100 orders of chicken tenders in the last 100 days. Say that again? <laughs> 100 burgers, 200 slices of pizza, and 100 orders of chicken tenders in 100 days. I'm shocked. That seems excessive, man. I, I don't know what yeah, else to it say. Does. I mean, that just seems excessive. Good Lord. But if you're going to be dedicated to, to building up better food at an amusement, I mean, I got to tell you, I don't know that Six Flags could do anything food-wise that would make me want to go there. You either got kick-ass rides or you don't. I mean, Right, I it ain't about the food, that's man. That's what I thought. I mean, if I, can be, if I can be honest, it ain't even about the food at these ballparks that are coming up with all this new no, stuff. No, it's, it's not. It's about all the other stuff. Food is just a byproduct because it's all overpriced anyway. Yeah, man. I mean, it, it's, yeah, that, I just saw that and I thought, I get it. You, you're trying to offer some different things to get people in the park. But I mean, at the end of the day, we don't want to have to wait in line forever. And we want kick-ass rides. <laughs> I, think you're, I think you're right on that. I don't think anything else needs to be, needs, need be said. I mean, if you want to do it better, just put more rides so that there's more places to go. We don't all have to ride the same damn rides and stand in the long lines. The whole I was time. gonna say the thing is it's the line is so long, bro. Yeah, man, it, and that's where <laughs> I just have no interest in amusement parks because of the lines. I don't really like roller coasters, but all right. The other wow. thing I have for you, I mean, I've got yeah. I've got all kinds. I was of gonna say you're on a roll. I bro. am, and I bring this up because it, it applies to Birmingham as well. But it opened yesterday in the freezing rain for the first time ever in Dallas Fort Worth. It is now open in Deep Ellum. Hattie B's Hot Chicken. Really? It is. It opened yesterday. It was a grand opening right there in Deep Elm. And I will tell you this because there is one in Birmingham, and I've been to it many times. It is. If you like Nashville Hot Chicken, it is freaking awesome. Okay. Good. What's the... Uh, I'm going to say, is it... Like, I haven't... I've only had real Nashville Hot Chicken, like, once mm. or twice. What is your definition of the best of the hot chicken? It, it to me again, and this is kind of like we've had this debate when we were talking about chicken sandwiches a couple years ago, but it, it's the breading and just the spice 
of so it's like the, almost like the flavor of the batter they use to bread the chicken, but then with the spiciness and the level of heat that you're getting off of it. But you also want the chicken to be really good. And there's just something to the way that Hattie B's does it where they're, whatever the batter is that they're using is one thing. And they have a variety of heat levels that you can get. But they're, for, for the most part, just the flavor of the chicken is just really, really good. And their sides are good. I mean, for this level of, I don't want to say, I guess it's kind of fast food, but it's not like you're driving through and getting it. I mean, it, it's counter service. Right, right, right. And it'll take a few minutes but I mean, it, it's this is up there as far as this this type of Nashville hot chicken establishment is. This is one of the best ones. All right. Well, uh, I'm I'm looking forward to checking it out. Yeah, it's definitely worth going. I mean, even the one here in the one here in Birmingham has been open for several years, and every time we go, the line is like almost to the door. <laughs> is that right? Yeah, and it's now the one in Deep Ellum is a six thousand square foot Hattie B's. It's the biggest one they've ever opened. Damn. So uh, it maybe that'll help, but I will tell you this: there, I can't remember what they call the hottest one. It is, it's legit. It, it'll, it kicks you in the nuts. <laughs> kicks you in the nuts, bro. So if you like, I don't, I don't want it that hot. Bro. No, 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 no. It's like maybe the level just below, but if you do uh, the the mild is good, and then the flavor right above mild to me isn't spicy at all. I think they have like five different ones. Level four is usually what I get, and it, it's it's right there. You get a nice spice on it, but you can still eat it, and your mouth isn't on fire, which is nice. All right. Now, uh, when I had it, I had it in Nashville, which is where you should get it. And uh, my uncle went to get it, and he said, I couldn't get it from the place I wanted to, which is the best, but because I, I think the line was too long or something. He said, so I went to this other place, and it's really good, so here you go. Uh, but, you know, they got one over by SMU, literally across the street that I've been yeah. trying to get to for a minute and just haven't figured out how to get there. Yeah, so but I don't I don't know which one that one is across the street from SMU. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is either. But I'll, I'll tell you, man, Hattie B's is one of the Nashville goats of hot chicken. And the fact that they're starting to expand because obviously they, they've got them in, in, in Nashville and they're in Tennessee. And then there's a couple locations in Alabama but they're starting to expand a little bit more. So if you guys get a chance, Hattie B's in Deep Ellum is probably going to be definitely worth checking out. And then finally, I'll leave you with this here in the block. And this is more of like a what have you been reading type thing lately? Because right. one of our listeners, and I apologize, I, I, I was trying to find it earlier on Twitter and I couldn't find it, but somebody had tweeted at me about, hey, you talk about how much you like Jack Reacher and Harry Bosch. If you like Reacher and you want a book series to follow, you should try reading the Gray Man series, which is a series of 11 books now written that is by the author Mark Greeny. And so I was like, all right. So I looked into it, and I said, like, you know what? I'll check it out. And I got to tell you, this is, he is a, he's the, the Gray Man is the best assassin on the planet. And this is more of like a global espionage assassin type series but I blew through the first book. I'm on book two right now. And they're making the first novel, The Gray Man, is actually the biggest budgeted movie Netflix has ever done that they're putting out, I believe, in July this year based off the book. Wow. Okay. Who is The Gray Man? The Gray Man is a former CIA assassin who the CIA has a shoot on sight directive against. And now is he, he only agrees to assassinate people that he views have done something wrong and should be dead, that the world would be better without them. So this is this is the the assassin Dexter. 
This is like a mix between <laughs> Jason Bourne, Jack Reacher, and yeah, I guess Dexter because of that code of it has to be a certain way. But he has no problem killing people. And he's like the best assassin ever. He's impossible to kill. People, he, he can slip away in shadows. He's an expert in all these different things. And But it's good, man. I mean, it's, you know, the books are a little lengthy because I think the first one's like 460 pages. But man, I, I mean, it, it is, I mean, you talk about page turning. I was like, damn, this is good. What makes it so good? Is it the detail? Is it the description? Is it the actual action? Going yeah, on? it's the detail. It's the action. It's the, okay, how's he going to get out of this? Oh, my God, where is he going now? How is he going to help this person and, and, like, fulfill the mission that he's trying to do and all this type of thing? Okay, all right. No, but it was really good. And, and I think the movie is going to be badass. Netflix spent $200 million on this, and it stars Ryan Gosling as the gray man and Chris Evans who play, I mean, Chris Evans has been a, touch of, a bunch of stuff, but he plays kind of the antagonist that kind of butts heads with the Ryan Gosling character known as the Gray Man. Oh, okay. All right. Yeah, and there's there's trailers for this online. Like, you can go and check it out. And I, I saw one of them. I was like, my God, this looks badass. I can't wait. You know, the special effects will do it for you. Yeah. yeah, Chris Evans played Captain America. That's how yeah. people would probably know him, yeah. And Ryan Gosling's a terrific actor. So. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Ryan Gosling's been in a gazillion things. He's like, you know, one of those sexiest men alive type guys. Yeah, I know about that. Oh, yeah? Do you? People yeah. people contacted you yet for 2022? No, but I, I've been checking my, my uh, what do you call it, my U.S. Postal Service every day where they give you, where you see what's, have you, have you, okay, yes. let me say this. Yeah. yeah. I don't know what it is about me. I know the mail comes at three o'clock, but I get a certain charge of knowing what's in the mailbox at nine in the morning <laughs> i didn't know that it was a thing until <laughs> one day the lady tells me she says something about oh you're getting this in the mail today and i was like what it's like how do you know what i'm getting in the mail today and she goes oh i get these notifications so i can see everything that's coming in the mail for that day <laughs> it's I'm like, wild really? man i know i had no idea um, that was a thing that people did but, but check this out this is I, I let's be honest this is why it works this is why i get giddy i think well okay i'm lying this is why i get giddy because, you know, I, I, I've got my own business now. I'm the JJT Media Group. I work for myself, literally. Yeah. I eat what I kill. And so I, I look at that thing every morning and say, do I have a check coming today? Is there a check coming for me today? <laughs> awesome. and, so, and so when I see a check there, I get all giddy. I'm, so I'm happy all day. And other days I'm like, fuck is my check? They said they were going to send it Monday. It's Friday. It doesn't show up on here. Where's my money? And so, you know, it's, you know, I have this love of love, hate affair with the thing. Yeah, man. I mean, I, I could, I could imagine that it's, I didn't know that that was something they started offering, but I think people would just get obsessed about it. Oh, you think I'm that person? Apparently. Dude, there are two things I do every single morning. One of them is look at Facebook memories and laugh uh, because I see pictures of my dude you know, from 10 years yeah. ago when he was just a kid. And it, it's amazing stuff I put on Facebook. It'd be like, had a great conversation with AJ today. He said, where do farts come from and why do they stink? And, and it, it just reminds you of how funny kids are when they're nine and 10. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And when they grow up, they're, they're, they're men or young men. So they're just different. But when they're kids, man, they just, be, they just have you cracking up. And the other thing I do is check that damn mail, email every day to see if I got a check coming. It's pathetic, man. Yeah. 
Well, help me, Matt. Help me. No, it's good. I'm glad that you get excited about mail because I think as you get older, mail is one of those things that you are like, oh my God, what bill is going to be in here today? What notice is going to be in my damn mailbox? What what piece of trash that I'm just going to immediately put in recycling do I have to remove from my mailbox today? Okay, now see we we've we've gone down a road because see that's the other thing now. Nobody gets bills in the mail anymore. They all come no. to your email. Yeah. And you pay them on your email or if you're like me, I literally have I mean I don't have a lot of bills per se, but 95% of the bills I have go to a credit card and then I pay the credit card off once a month cuz it 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 helps me to not be late cuz I'm notorious for oh, I forgot to pay this bill. So I put them all on the credit card and then I just pay the credit card once a month. Yeah. I mean, that's true. I don't think actually, you know what? I think I, I, somebody keeps sending me a bill and I don't know why. Cause I have, I've clicked on paperless billing. Like I don't see the point in getting paper bills anymore. Oh no. I, I had an argument with, with uh, somebody about that. Yeah. Birmingham has, I know what it is. It's, it's the weird, like, like when you live in it, I don't know if it's like this in where you live, but here we have like the city of Irondale that I live in charges like a sewage thing that for whatever reason is not included in your water bill and they send you something separately that you have to pay on top of that and they it's all like on paper and there's really? no way to not get a paper bill and i've asked like email it to me or text message me or whatever that i have it i'll go online and pay it it's so strange <laughs> but hell we're talking about the same city that just sent out a notice if you want to keep your recycling you have to fill out this form otherwise we're stopping recycling at the end of february well, I guess you'll fill out the form. Yeah, I guess so. Otherwise, I was like, or I'll just start throwing everything away since you guys don't seem to care. <laughs> but I guess I'll care to some degree. All right, yeah. let's move on because we do have some other stuff to get into here today. That was a fantastic trip around the block, by the way. Hell yeah, it was. I hope everybody enjoyed it. I hope you enjoyed it as much as you'll enjoy Smokey John's barbecue. I mean, Look at that. You, that was cute. No, thank you. It's, it's, uh, that was a great segue. You know, it's one of those smokily stupendous Smokey John segues <laughs> with lot, all kinds of alliteration. But Smokey John's, I'm telling you, man, if you haven't gotten the Jam Session Bowl yet, I would highly encourage you to do that because you can order it off the secret menu. It's only for our podcast listeners. And if you are one of those holdouts that somehow hasn't tried it yet, get on over there and support them, man. Local family owned, Juan and Brent, they're just, they're really good people. And the barbecue is just fantastic. Yeah, it is, man. Um, it's great. I love it. The jam session bowl is uh, stupendous. You get your choice of uh, mac and cheese or mashed potatoes as a base. Uh, two or five different smoked meats on it. They put a bunch of I call them mashed. Uh, what do you call it? Mashed uh, mashed potatoes? potatoes. I call it baked potato stuff uh, toppings on top of it, man. Okay. Drizzle it with a little Smoky John sauce, which is fantastic. And uh, dude. You can easily serve two people on it. Easy. Like, no problem at all. Yes, sir. And, you know, my parents came, and they couldn't eat it together, and they, they ate the leftovers for dinner. <laughs> so It's awesome. I mean, it's good. So get in there. Check it out. And also don't forget, of course, with February here, with the few days remaining in Black History Month, they are offering their shoebox lunch, which, of course, includes in the shoebox lunch. This year they are highlighting – historically black colleges and universities with a variety of those. Each shoebox will feature a brief history of the importance of HBCUs on the outside of the box. Inside the box, you get a sandwich, chips, and a fresh-baked cookies with pickle. 
and their signature Smokey John's barbecue sauce, along with an HBCU information card. Those are available right now, the basic box for $13.95 through the month of February at Smokey John's. So check those guys out and give them your support. Also, of course, you may be sitting here, and I wonder how many of you today finally have figured this out. You might have been like, man, I'd, I'd like to go get Smokey John's and, and order a bunch of jam session bowls, but I, I just, my finances aren't in order. I don't know what to do. Well, did you call Hector yet? Say, well, did you? Uh, no, I, I haven't really talked to him yet. Well, it's just, it's, it's easy. It's so easy. Just call Hector with Modern Woodmen of America. It's non fee based, costs nothing to meet with them. 940 453 3490. And just go, Hector. I hear the guys on Jam Session talking about, I don't even know where to start. And, and Hector, like, I got you. It's that easy. I, th- I think what you, because um, dealing with finances, money can be a scary proposition. Yeah. Uh, you know, because it's all so confusing. But I, I think the key is to let Hector put together a game plan for you, man. And it doesn't matter, as, I, as I've told y'all before, it doesn't matter if you're somebody who wants to be aggressive or somebody who wants to be conservative or somebody who wants to be somewhat in between. Just let him put a game plan together for you. And follow the game plan, bro. You do that, everything else everything else falls in line. But just let him put together the game plan, and he'll take you where you want to go. Yes, he will. He can set that up for you. It's very easy to do. The hardest thing is making the call and just admitting, hey, I need a little help, trying to figure out how to save, trying to figure out how my finances work for the future. Hector's been there. He is the expert at all this, and he will get you taken care of. Give him a call. 940-453-3490. 940-453-3490. So the Dallas Mavericks, my friend, they are back at it after enjoying the All-Star game that none of us watched. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. Maybe you did. I, I, I okay, uh, full disclosure. When the score got to be like 138 or something, and 138, the fact that it was a close game, there's like six minutes oh, left. Okay. I said, okay, I'll, t- I'll turn it on and watch it. Uh, because I said at that point, then some pride will kick in and somebody will try to win it. Um, so, but uh, it was all right. It was, it was interesting. I mean, 50 points by Steph Curry was uh, that. Now, that was amazing because you score 50 points even in an all star game when they're not playing great defense, but you do it by shooting 30 foot jumpers. Well, you know, dude, <laughs> what can I say? Mm-hmm. Well, the Mavs are back. Second half. See, they call it second half of the season. Let's be realistic. They've already played 59 games. For those that don't know, there's 82 right, right, games right. in a regular season. That means there's 23 regular season games remaining. This is the back push. This final 23-game push is where these teams will be fighting for playoff positioning and where the Mavs will try to do their best. They are currently about a game and a half behind Utah for the four seed in the West. This is the next 23 games where the Mavs will try and make a push to get the four seed. Yeah, and they got, uh, they're trailing Utah, I think, by a game and a half right now. They got two of the next six games against Utah, so there's a chance to make a play there. Donovan Mitchell is out right now. I don't know in today's NBA if that really helps because it seems like every time a dude is missing, the other team comes out and plays lights out. So yeah. you might as well have him there. Yeah, they're not. Look, the reality of it is, I don't think anybody's catching Phoenix for the number one seed. I mean, Phoenix is the best team in the NBA so far in the regular season. They're 48 and 10. All right. Golden State, who has the second best record in the NBA, is six and a half games behind Phoenix. 
Then you've got Memphis as the three seed. Right now, Memphis has a five and a half game lead over the Dallas Mavericks. So realistically, the Mavericks are probably their best hope is to catch Utah at the four. And then you don't want to slip down to six or seven, of course, where they've got a game and a half lead over the Denver Nuggets who are in the six seed. But but four or five is probably most likely where the Mavs are going to wind up in this thing. And they haven't had four in forever, man, in the playoffs. Like they haven't had home court advantage in the playoffs in a yeah. long time. Um, but uh, it would be great if they could do it. It's there. I'm not going to say for the taking, but the opportunity to get it is there. And, um, you know, you got to go for it. Yeah, and you saw them play, look, heading into the All-Star break, they played phenomenal basketball. They won six out of their last seven games, and their one loss was a two-point loss to the Clippers. So this team has been, I mean, Luka went bonkers like the week before they broke for the All-Star game. As you alluded to, they have the Utah Jazz. Many of you listening to this on Friday, they play the Jazz tonight. They then go to Golden State and then the Lakers, who are pure trash, so they've got three more games on this road trip before they go home for a four-game homestand, but that four-game homestand contains the Warriors and the Jazz. So there's some tough competition on the way. The Mavs have plenty at home. They also have a bunch on the road. I think it's half and half, actually, where it's trying to do the math real quick in my head here. That would be six, seven, eight. Wow. So they have actually eight more games just at home. Oh, no, I, I didn't scroll down far enough. I was going to say that's not right. Yeah, that's what it is. Ten, ten games at home and 13 on the road to close out the season. That's why I say the opportunity is there, and nobody said it would be easy, uh, but the opportunity is there uh, with, uh, with Utah not playing as well as they have the last few years. Yeah. But I'm interested in this because um, – uh, and I meant to add this to our, our little conversation board uh, before the show, but have you paid any attention to what Cuban said about uh, Luka kind of coming to grips with being – being out of shape and making a concerted effort to uh, to get back in shape, and that's part of the reason why he's been, you know, playing so well over the last uh, few weeks. Yeah, I thought that was interesting as well. I, I I thought that it made a lot of sense to me actually. Like when he said that about Luca, I thought, okay. I mean, again, we are talking about people forget this about Luca because he's so freaking good, and he is so good so early that we have it in our minds that he's been in the NBA for a decade and he's like twenty seven. Luca's 22 years old. He turns 23 in four days. On February 28th, he'll be 23. Even that, I mean, this is a guy who is, I think, learning how to become, like, you've got the skills, dude. You're, you can right. be one of the greats, but do you have the mental acuity that it's going to take to elevate yourself to a point to be one of them? Yeah, it's, it's I mean, it's like a lot of things, man. I, you know, I tell people this all the time. It's the greatest of the greats. And that's what we're talking about. Like, he's a great player, all right? I mean, it's no matter what, he's a great player. But then it's about, are you going to become one of the greats of the greats? And all those people have this unbelievable work ethic. And it's not something that you can put in somebody. It's either in them or it's not. Now, you can, you can learn and develop it, but even then, it's in you to be great. Um, and so, you know, I think you're seeing him trying to figure out, because this is what it's all about, Matt. It's, it's Luca figuring out, do, am I cool with just being great? Or do I want to be one of the greats of the greats? You know, Kobe, LeBron, Jordan, yeah. you know, a few others. You know, do I want to be in that category of player? Because clearly he got the skill set to be in that category of player. But to get there... 
it requires you to do that work in the off season, that work when nobody's looking. Like I had a friend of mine, we were talking at the gym the other day uh, about this type of thing. Um, and I go, why is it, do you think, that Dirk was the only guy who was all NBA, the only guy who was surefire, Hall of Famer on the Mavericks, yet the only guy who was consistently after practice 30 or 45 minutes working on his game? He's the best player, one of the best ever, yet clearly he was the only one stand after practice long after everybody had left working on his game. Yeah. Why is that? Because it's something in him, man, that says – I want to be great. And even if you want to work with him, dog, you just you can't consistently take yourself to that level because it ain't in you. And that's not a knock on you. It's just why those guys are different. And so this all goes back to a loss in December where afterwards, apparently, Luca said he had to lose weight and he switched up his diet, changed his diet. He's eating more chicken and vegetables in an effort to drop some weight. And what you're talking about is this is from a couple of days ago where Mark Cuban was on the ticket in Dallas And his words, this is Cuban, I think he was humbled a little bit. I think he didn't like being called out for his weight and other things. And it finally clicked that there's a level of discipline that's required. All athletes at his level go through it when things are just easy and you're always used to being the best and you're always used to getting all the accolades. Then when something doesn't go according to being expected, it makes you reconsider. And Doncic has basically acknowledged this. And sources told Tim McMahon, our buddy, with ESPN that he reported to training camp weighing more than 260 pounds and that since then he has dropped more than 15 pounds. He is now playing it close to his rookie weight and then you look at it and what happened? The week leading up to the NBA All-Star game, he's destroying people because he's finally probably body-wise where he's supposed to be. Well, you know, um, now 30 pounds, obviously 30 pounds, but I've told y'all before, man, that I was talking to Keyshawn Johnson one time and he was like, oh, yeah, Bill wants me in at 212. And I go, that's an odd number. Why not 214 or 210? He goes, oh, bro, I can do things at 212. I can't do it 214. I'm like, what the hell are you talking about? I says, two pounds. He goes, oh, those two pounds make a difference. And then I was talking, I don't know if you guys remember, former safety Keith Davis. Yeah. And uh, I saw him at an event uh, a couple weeks ago, and we were talking. I said, you're looking good. He said, I'm right at my plan weight, man. He said, Bill had me uh, at 208 plan, and uh, I've just stayed at 208 my whole life ever since Bill put me there. And if I get three or four pounds above that, I diet for three days, and I get back to 208. I go, 208? I said, that's an odd number. He said, dude, I could do things 208. I couldn't do it like 211. He says, I was just faster. I was leaner. I could cut quicker. I could move quicker. Yeah. And you'd just be amazed that we're talking two pounds, three pounds. But then, I ain't going to lie to you, Matt. I get on the scale and I go, I feel a little heavy today. You know, maybe I had a couple bad days of yeah. diet or something. And I go, damn it, Taylor, you're 201. Okay, let's, let's work on it. Let's get back to 198, 197. Let's go. Uh, but it's amazing how you can, once you get in tune, how you can feel two pounds here or a pound and a half there. Yeah, you definitely can. I mean, I knew when we got back from our trip because we, I mean, we drank a bunch of beer and all that. I was like, all right, I got to lose about five pounds this week. And I, I could just tell him, and I, I knew where I was. And, you know, it's interesting with Luca. you look at what he is doing. In the 10 games leading into the All-Star game that he found out that he received zero media votes to be an All-Star starter, and he realized he wasn't going to start in the All-Star game, 35 points, 10 rebounds, 10 assists a game on average in the 10 games since he found that out. I mean, this is a dude who can play with a chip, and this is a dude who can be one of the greats. 
But to truly be able to do that, he has to be ready to go when the season begins, and he can't wait. You know, fortunately for him, the Mavs are in a good position, and it looks like he's finally where he needs to be, and they've got 23 games till the end of the season. So we'll see how it goes. But for a dude who's hoping to make deep playoff runs, you got to be in better condition earlier on. Well, check this out, man. And see, he probably hadn't put two and two together. Because you said something interesting, that to be, you know, to, to make deep playoff runs, you can't come in camp shape like that. And here's what we're talking about. If you come in camp at 230, like you should be, or 225 so that you're even better, then maybe the Mavericks don't lose four or five games early mm-hmm. because you're Luka. You take over and you dominate and they win those games. And then you look at it, say, you know, add four more wins or five more wins to what they have right now because you showed up in shape and ready to dominate. And we're talking about, hey, you know, Chris Paul is out. You know, Klay Thompson's still kind of shady coming back. Maybe they got a chance to get the three spot or the two spot. But instead, you're like, hey, can they move to four, hopefully, and hold on to five? Yeah, and that's the difference between, again, this is we're, we're at a level now, and the Mavs need to win a first-round playoff series. It's cool getting to the playoffs, and we talked about this a couple of years on the radio. They have exceeded – that grace period because now there are expectations we've seen you in the playoffs two consecutive years we've seen you lose in the first round they've got to show us and unfortunately with the trade and everything they made that who knows how to play out but at some point they've got to show you can do what it takes to win a freaking playoff series you know here's the problem matt and i i don't i don't have the answer to this like uh i never thought that they were better than the clippers you know what I mean? Like the last two years yeah. with the Clippers. I just didn't think they were better than the Clippers. So I can't sit here and bitch and moan and go, ah, oh, you should have what? Because I didn't think that they were better. And so this year, you know, it'll be interesting to see what they are. But they're still, to me, you know, they don't have enough scoring, consistent scoring from other places for me to yeah. look at them as like a real viable team yet. Like, they're still missing something. And we both know regular season basketball is different than the playoffs. Playoffs, maybe it's uh, it's about your top seven guys. Regular season, you know, it's about your top nine or ten guys. And can you, you know, can you win games with depth and stuff? In the playoffs, you're taking away your best options. And who will step up and make, make mm-hmm. buckets? Yeah, and again, it goes back to what we're talking about, Luca. If you want to be better than the Clippers, part of that is doing things early in the season where you win a few more games to where maybe you can be a two or a three seed. And then that way, if you run into a team like the Clippers, maybe it's happening in the second round instead of happening in the first round. Yeah, exactly. All this plays out, but we'll see how it is as the Mavs get back underway. I can tell you one thing, and again, we're, we're almost talking about like just making sure that your foundation is good, right? And that's what we talk about with HFX Foundation Solutions. Aaron and his guys will make sure that if you are Luka Doncic, that you are good to go. They will come over and be like, hey, Luka, come on, what the hell are you doing? Because <laughs> your foundation is kind of like that. Because your foundation is, is like your body. That's why you always reference it as a colonoscopy, because your foundation will show you little signs. So the doors will start sticking. You'll see some cracks. That's your foundation letting you know, hey, there's a problem here, and you need to get somebody to come check it out. It's a free, no-obligation inspection. Aaron and his crew will come out and maybe you've got no problem or maybe you caught it early enough to where you can potentially save yourself thousands of dollars in damages when you catch those drainage and foundation issues early. Well, that's exactly what I'm talking about. And that's why you do have (laughs) the colonoscopy for your house, man. I mean, seriously, that's why you do it. 
so that you can have that peace of mind that Aaron and his company provides when they give you that clean bill of health. And if by chance they do find something, chances are they catch it early and you can go, oh, my God, I'm glad you find it now. It's only going to cost me a fraction of the cost of if, if you find it later. So give Aaron and HFX an opportunity to give you some peace of mind. Give them a call, 817-770-0174, online at hfxfoundation.com. Again, that number, 817-770-0174 with HFX Foundation Solutions. So we also have this, and this is one of those things. I got when, when I first heard about this, I was like, I don't know, what, what is this? I kind of ignored it. And then I kept hearing more about it. And then Phil Mickelson, people are starting to rip Phil Mickelson. He's an asshole, this and that. He was the people's champion. Now he's, a, he's the people's piece of shit, whatever it was going to be. And I'm talking about this whole conflict with the PGA Tour in this new Saudi Arabian-backed tour that Greg Norman is forefronting that they're trying to compete with the PGA Tour. Yeah, which seems, uh, which seems odd. And the reason it made news is, is and the reason it caught, it caught my attention was, one, because I hadn't paid much attention to it, until I hear, you know, the things that uh, that Mickelson said about the Saudis and how yeah. they got how they got in the, they got published, and then you know it was about uh, he said, oh, the reporter was off the record, and I was like, dude, <laughs> come on, <laughs> I Phil. mean, er, no, yeah, like wasn't. really, bro, you know, like come on, man, and at, at that point, I was like, ah, let's see what this is all about. And that's when you just go, and everybody's ripping Phil, and you're just like, dude, what is wrong with you? Yeah, and, and so the politics aside, and I understand it. I get the human rights issues and the issues of freedom and everything with Saudi Arabia. But the, the weird thing about this is that there has never been, because there are other tours. There are other tours in the world outside of the PGA Tour. The PGA Tour is by far the highest level. But there's a European tour. There's an Asian tour. You know, there's even a minor league tour here in America called the Corn Ferry Tour, where a lot of the guys will play trying to get to the PGA Tour. But there's never been a tour that could challenge the PGA Tour where they could lay out a, a schedule with money that would pull a lot of those guys to stop playing PGA Tour events until they put this together. And so my brother, who many of you know, is a golf professional at Mary Doe in the Dallas area. And, and like Jordan Spieth is a member there and Will Zalatoris, all kinds of dudes that live and play golf in, in Dallas and that are on the PGA Tour are members there. And so I reached out to him because I was curious. I was like, oh, you got to explain this to me. I, I basically said, why is this a big deal? Like, I don't see politics aside. What, what is this about? And he basically said, the reality of it is there's never been a tour that's a direct threat to the best players in the world leaving the PGA. And the PGA has somewhat monopolized the best players since the 1970s. And they simply don't want the competition because they don't want to lose money. I said, well, that makes sense. He goes, it, it'd kind of be like, and he's too young because he wasn't born, but it's very similar to in the 80s, the NFL and the USFL, where right. the, the NFL existed and was having great success, and then they start up the USFL, and all of a sudden it's, hey, Reggie White or Steve Young or Herschel Walker, we're going to draft you and pay you this. Come play for us. <laughs> and the NFL's like, what? What the hell? Are you No, 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 you can't do that. And so it, it would be in today's world, imagine if the, the new version of the USFL, which just had their draft, and is launching in April, imagine if they went and said, hey, Josh Allen, we are backed by a rich-ass government, and we will give you $200 million to come play for us. And Josh Allen's like, wait, what? 
and the the Bills are like, but well, we have a salary cap. And they're like, oh, no, no, but in this new league, we don't. How much? Like, how much would it take? And Allen's like, <laughs> uh, seventy five a year. And they go, okay, done. Uh, wow. Uh, so that's kind of what's happening here, where this new tour with Greg Norman is trying to just money whip some of these dudes to leave the PGA Tour. So if they get some of that high-class talent, then people will start watching that, and they'll generate it and actually be a real competitor to the PGA. Dude, it's a, um, you know, because of sunny Saudi money with the oil runs deep, Mm -hmm. deep, deep. And so it's a drop in the bucket for them. They're just trying to create attention and, and get it cranked up over here. And so this is what I've understand about rich people, man. They never get tired of money. Like, they're worth a billion dollars, and if you offer them $100 million, they'll take it because they just never get tired of money. It's, it's you know, you can, never, you can never have enough of it. And so you can money with people you think you would never be able to money with because the money ultimately does matter. And so the other thing about this, and, and because my brother said, he goes, here's the thing. He goes, loyalty to the PGA Tour, and I'm basically reading his test, and, and, and my brother is a PGA t- professional, so he knows what he's talking about. He said, loyalty to the PGA Tour is a big deal for a lot of these guys. The best players are already 10 to 100 millionaires. And the only reason to leave to go to the Saudi League is 100% money, which they don't really need. He said, but he goes, guys like an Ian Poulter, Rory Sabantini, guys that are like in their mid-40s that have not qualified age-wise yet to play on the Champions Tour, but are past their prime to compete with the guys that are in their 20s and 30s on the PGA Tour. Those are the types of guys that you could see leave the PGA Tour, go make a ton of money, and then go off into the Champions Tour. Problem being, the PGA may block that because the PGA is getting all butthurt about this whole thing. (laughs) Those are my words, not his. How do they block it? Well, they're saying that anybody who goes will be banned from the PGA Tour and never allowed to play again in a PGA event. Hmm, Interesting. Yeah, so that's that's where this will get interesting. I guess they have the right to do that. Right. They could be like, no, you can't play in our events. You're banned. <laughs> You're Pete Rose. Yeah. That's, essentially. Uh, that's interesting, bro. Interesting. And, and so, as, as my brother told me, he goes, anybody who were to leave is basically committing career suicide as far as it, it pertains to the PGA. Now, Greg Norman came back out and said that they'll sue antitrust laws. I don't know anything about that. I'm just saying what he has thrown out there. I don't know how that works. But it, it'll be really interesting to see if you start to see some of these guys that are a little bit older, but that are names that we all know and recognize, and they say, hey, you know, let's put together a field of these dudes that are kind of middling players on the PGA Tour or past champions who are in their mid-40s, we'll give you all this money to come play for us. I don't know. Nah, man, that's uh, that's why it's interesting. That's why we're talking about it. Yeah. We don't do a lot of golf talk, but this was this was fascinating how they were, how it's been, you know, put together. And- yeah. And the ramifications of if you want to take a shot and get involved in it. Yeah, and it's, I mean, because you're seeing like all the, you know, Brooks Kepka and Roy McElroy, even Tiger came out and said something about it. I mean, all the big time guys in the game today, especially the Colin Marikawa said something about it. They're all like anti this and that this is, I mean, they are ripping this new thing. And so you get it. You see the loyalty to the PGA Tour, but the future of what this is going to be is going to be, it's going to be interesting. There's no doubt about it. I don't know if it'll change or not. Who knows? (laughs) The other interesting thing, we're putting this at the back of the podcast because we're putting all politics aside here. But I feel like, and this is one of those weird times in human history where it just feels like the fact that we are on the brink of a world war 
and we're having some fun and we try to laugh and have a good time. And, and if you guys want to just turn off the podcast now, I totally get it. I understand that. And I don't want this to be political at all, but man, it is the weirdest thing ever in 2022 when you turn on your TV and you see a country, this isn't some third world country. This isn't some rinky dink, whatever. This is Russia invading another mammoth country in the Ukraine and basically trying to take it completely over. Dude, now, you know, and I got to tell you, I don't pay a lot of attention to international news. And here's why. Little old me ain't really in control of none of that. And so for me, a lot of times, uh, even local news frustrates me or, or, as I like to say, pollutes my spirit. And so I choose to be somewhat ignorant, figuring that when it's time for me to learn about it, you know, then it'll present itself. Now, as we fast forward to this situation, I still hadn't paid much attention. Like, I knew something was going on with Russia and the Ukraine and the U.S. and all. I hadn't paid much attention to it. And then, for whatever reason, I clicked on an article today, and I was like, first thing that struck me was, my God, I didn't realize Ukraine was that damn big. Um, Yeah, I didn't either. I didn't. I mean, mean, it it is (laughs) outside of Russia. It's the second largest country in Eastern Europe. Yeah, like, I, I literally had no idea it was that big. And secondly, I was looking at this article and it goes, the Ukraine is number one and number two in the world in this. And it was like 40 or 50 things, man. You know, wheat, you know, exports and eggs and all this other stuff. And somebody said, like, the Ukraine can feed 600 million people a year from the food that they produce. And I was like, wow. And then I go, no, this is just me. All right. So, you know, I ain't no political scientist. This is just me. And I just go. Oh, I guess Russia is trying to take this country over so that they can control all of this. And then, you know, whether they want to just keep all this great stuff that that Ukraine produces to themselves or whether they want to take the price of. I'm just saying, you know, if, if they sell eggs for a dollar, now they want to sell them for twenty dollars. You know, it just doesn't matter if you have it. You can charge whatever you want for it. Yeah. And it just seemed to me that this is a classic case of uh, this is if we take this over, we have twice as much of everything. Yeah, I don't. I, and again, like I'm saying, I, this is I'm not trying to be political. This is not a, about what I, I don't know, but I'm just telling you it, it's it's weird. And I've been trying to learn as much as I can about it, too, because it, it's a scary thing, man. I mean, the fact that a country like Russia has invaded and originally it sounds like there was some different regions of in between Russia and the Ukraine that had been under conflict for the last few years and that that's where people thought that this would take place. And Russia just marched right through the country and is trying to take down the capital and overthrow their government and absorb it. And, I mean, the Ukraine, again, there's 43 million people that live in the Ukraine. Whew. I mean, this is not some small little thing. And even if it was, you know, that'd still be freaky. But a country of this size, this is the eighth most populated country in Europe. Not just in Eastern Europe, in Europe. Yeah. I mean, this is a big-time country, and, and it's it's a scary thing to see something like this happening where you have another country trying to just completely overtake a country of that size. And it's hard not to wonder, okay, well, what could be next? I mean, are we, are, are we on the brink of another world war, which I don't know. I mean, you would see it in the movies and you see these things, you know, about how these dystopian future movies and books and whatnot. And they just always seemed like fiction. Like I never thought that through everything we've learned through the first two world wars that we went through, not quite a hundred years ago. I mean, coming up 80 years ago was when World War II ended in 1945. 
that I would have just thought that we had learned enough to where we wouldn't be faced with a situation like this again, but naive dumbass me, I guess. <laughs> well, I think the thing of it is, man, you can never predict how somebody else will, you know, what they'll do in terms of their version of trying to, right. to, to take over the world or, or take, you know, everybody else is cool and somebody always says, well, I want this. Well, why you got to push the envelope? Why do you want it? Well, I want it. And you just never know when that one person's going to push the envelope, man, and force everybody else to react because you have to, you have to address it somehow, some way. Otherwise, they'll just take it. Yeah, and that's where I think the freakiest thing is, is, you know, and I'm sure some of you listening have read a lot on this and some of you may be even world experts and, and that type of thing. But, you know, whenever you try to find out more information, everybody goes to Google now. And, and, and I've Googled a couple of times today, you know, Russia, Ukraine, why is this happening? In multiple articles, are we on the brink of World War III? And, and when you are reading that in, in real world happenings, and you're just trying to find out information and understand what's going on, and you read something like that, that, that freaks me out, man. Yeah. Uh, now, throw into the fact that you got a son who's 18. That'll really freak yeah. you out. I mean, it, it is... I, I don't know. I, I don't know what to think about any of this. And, and maybe in the next few days we'll learn even more, but the hope is that this does not cause a world war and that they, I, I don't even know what the end resolution is that is good for this. That's the thing. But you certainly don't want it to be World War Three at, at all, ever. My God, I can't even imagine no, that's dude. a thought that we have to even read about now. You know, that's a good point, man, because you have to figure out, okay, if, if this is their goal is to take over the Ukraine, then, then what, what dissuades them from doing that? Yeah. You, you know, because, I mean, they're a very powerful country. And sure. so, I mean, they don't, they don't necessarily care just because you say, yo, what's up with that? Stop that, dog. That's not cool. They don't necessarily care about that. And so, you know, man, it's uh, some troubling times out there. It really is. And, and I guess like in your thoughts and again, not knowing the full situation or understanding exactly why this is happening. I mean, if you're going to take over Ukraine, you know, do you, do you keep going? Do you try to get Slovakia? Do you try to get Moldova or, or Poland or Lithuania or, or Belarus or any of these other countries that are in that Eastern European region? I mean, what's the end game here? I don't, I don't know. Yeah. And the question is, that you would assume that that would be the, the next moves. If you take over the biggest one, yeah. why wouldn't you take over the other ones? Yeah, and that's what is, I think, the, the freakiest thing about this is you, you read these things and you start to realize what's going on and you, you just wonder, because it, it's all these governments across the world. I mean, obviously the United States, but Australia and the UK and Japan and, I mean, go down the list of pretty much anybody in the United Nations going, what the hell are you doing? Like, you can't do this. But then what's the response going to be? I don't know. I mean, this is, this is like an, an honest and open conversation at the end of the podcast. With a lot yeah, of just, I don't know. It reminds me of, you know, when 9-11 happened. I mean, that was a scary day in America, of course. And, and I just remember going over to my friend's apartment because none of us wanted to be alone. And we didn't know. We, like, all of us just kept going. And you try not to let your imagination go too far down the rabbit hole. Because right, you can right. really freak the hell out of yourself. But I just remember sitting there going, I mean, what could happen? What, what, what's going to happen? We, and I think that's the worst thing is not knowing what is coming next when you see things like this happen that could really change 
what we are all experiencing and, and, and what we have been experiencing since the end of the, the Second World War. Yes, sir. I'm not looking forward to it. So you know. I'm not either, man. So there was a little bit of that, but I, I don't know. I think that we just kind of wanted to. <laughs> I don't know. It's just one of, like I have sought out more information on this today because I just don't know a lot about it. And I guess that's it's one of those things where you just ask questions and you want to find out what the hell's going on. Like, like for me, why does Russia want to take over Chernobyl? And apparently they're trying to take over the Chernobyl nuclear plant, you know, that, that got shut down in the mid eighties from that meltdown and is one of the most radioactive places on the planet. Like, why are you going into there? It's so odd. I don't know. Yeah. I don't know either. I guess that's the, that's the end of the thing. We just, we don't know. And we know pretty much everything. So, Hey, what are you eating? Nothing. Well, you're eating something. No, I'm not. My mouth is empty. Uh, you didn't just, just have a bite it. of something? No, I did not. God, it sounded like you were chewing. No, no, no. Uh, Matter of fact, I'm going to send you a video right now. I believe you. I don't need a video. <laughs> uh, we should do that on the podcast <laughs> one day. See who can do that the longest. Oh, you know, that was pretty good for a while. No, yeah, you were. I mean, it's all about uh, you. Just got to learn how to breathe out well. Yeah, I just sent you the video. My my mouth is. Oh cool. my god! I don't need a video of your wide open <laughs> mouth awing at me. <laughs> this is why. I mean, welcome to the podcast. I guess. <laughs> you know, my kids hate me because I take pictures of shit all the time. Oh man! Well, I guess with that news, we'll just leave you with this. Art Bryles is back in college football. Oh, I can't, I'm, I'm so thrilled. Are you stunned by that, that Grambling is the university that went out and got Art Bryles? I th- yes, but I think it's a fantastic move for Grambling. And here's why. Now, I've been knowing Art Bryles since the uh, early 90s when he was coaching at Stephenville. I was there. I think I've told you this story. The day Art Bryles' career changed. Like, Jesus. you know, they were they were playing. I want to say they were playing Haltom. What are you saying Jesus for? Oh, your damn video. I just got it. <laughs> this is ridiculous. But you see that, but I wasn't eating. <laughs> no, you weren't eating. I believe you. Um, and Art Browse and I think they were down like 14 to nothing to Haltom. They're at the, like their own 29-yard line. It was the second quarter. Early on, I believe, and he went for it on like fourth and one or fourth and two, and they got it, and they won the game like 32-14 or something like that, and they ended up winning like four or five state championships, like boom, 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 right then. So here's my point. That's how I know Art Browse, and we were always cool, uh, me being at Dallas Morning News, him at Stephenville trying to get uh, you know publicity and all that stuff for his program. What does he do, man? I mean, you can say whatever you want to about what he did at Baylor or what he didn't do or what he knew or what he didn't know. Okay, I'm not talking about that right now. That man can coach offensive football. And so, if you're grambling, and you got Hugh Jackson, but you got Art Bryles and you're bringing him in, <clears throat> what is Jackson State? They're the big dog in the swag yeah. right now. What do, they, what do they do? They do defense better than anybody. They gave up like 12 points and 240 yards and led the FCS in sacks last year. If you're going to compete against them, you got to do it with offense, man. You got to be able to put some points up. And Art Browse, once he gets pieces, he can do offense better than anybody, man, because he can scheme your butt to death. 
You know, they run like 10 plays from 500 different formations. Yeah. Confuse you, get you thinking, and boom, 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 start moving. So I think it's great because I think it's going to make the league better. Anything that makes the league better is good. Yeah, and of course, Hugh Jackson is the head coach now at Grambling and bringing in Art Bryles, who once he left Baylor, bounced around at a couple of places on the Texas high school football circuit. Uh, yeah, and I just uh, I just sent a uh, email to the people at uh, the undefeated and said, "Hey, I need to stop by Grambling on my next trip to uh, Jackson because yeah. uh, they're about three hours apart." Yeah, that's true. The, right off of twenty. Yeah, not too bad at all, man. I mean, you go right nah. the Grambling's right there next to Ruston, where Louisiana Tech is, right there off of twenty in Louisiana, and yeah. Yeah, we'll see. I, I thought that I, I, I'm not surprised. I, I wondered how long it would take before somebody else at the college level gave him another opportunity. And, and apparently Grambling State is the one that's going to uh, give Bart Bryles a chance to do some offense again. Yeah, nothing's going to be fun. All right. Well, that will wrap up this version of the podcast. Man, we covered all kinds of different things today. Yeah, we did. And even got you a video. Yeah, you did. You did get me a video. <laughs> <laughs> God, I just look at my phone and I see this and it's like in the shadowy dark or some shit yeah, of you just going, ah, uh, I mean, good Lord. Do you have is a, is that, do you literally have a nose ring? Yes. <laughs> oh my God. Why did you get a nose ring? Who told you I had one? I saw it on Facebook and I thought it was fake. And then I swear I saw a glint of something in that video you just sent. <laughs> I'm just living my best life, man. I'm having fun. Do you have your nipples pierced? Did you get anything else pierced? Did you get a Prince Albert? No. <laughs> you did. But there's still time. There's still oh time. Oh, my God. That's fantastic. <laughs> what else are you going to do? I'm just living life, man. I'm having fun. I'm, uh, I'm drinking from the fountain of youth. I'm, uh, I'm working out pretty hard, and uh, I'm feeling good about myself. And uh, nice. I decided that the 50s should be better than the 40s, and the 40s are pretty good. Yeah, 40s but, are pretty uh, awesome so far. Uh, but the 50s should be even better. And, you know, man, I have just decided. I made a, I made a real decision, uh, you know, probably about 15 years ago. But it gets more and more uh embedded in me every year like my dad is like my my role model man that dude is he gets mad every time i talk about his age because he says you are as young as you are foolish and as old as you are wise and you're always trying to find the mix in between but my dude is 78 years old he looks like he's about 60 he works out a couple times a day he told me this and i don't have any reason not to believe him y'all know he's a professor in buffalo well about six weeks ago they had one of those storms that left about two feet of snow on the ground. And now this is my dad, so y'all see where I get it from. He's got a Porsche that he drives in the one month of summer in Buffalo. And then he's got this, this truck Jeep that he calls Wego, like we go anywhere. Mm. And well, Wego broke down during the snowstorm. And this was like 11 o'clock at night because my dad is a workaholic. And his, you know, I didn't say it was perfect. So he had left his cell phone at the office. So there's nobody he can call. That dude walked five miles home in the snow. Damn. About two feet of snow, man. It's 78 years old. And so my whole point of this is I have no desire <clears throat> to be an old man. 
You know, I don't. I have a desire to get off two orgasms a day when I'm like 90. <laughs> and so. Awesome. <laughs> I don't have any desire to have somebody changing a diaper for me when I'm, you know, 75. And so you got to really take care of your body in your 30s, your 40s, your 50s. And if you do that, God willing, it won't betray you in your 70s, 80s, and hopefully beyond. And you can really, until you day you drop dead, you can really live life to its fullest. And so, really, that's why I work out and try to watch what I eat. Because, you know, like, I got friends of mine, dude, that are 55 acting like they're 70. They can't move. Oh, it hurts, you know. And I've been, I've been a fat dude most of my life. So I'm not going to say, oh, you got a beer gut. You can't do this. You can't do that. But, dude, I'm not trying to wear dockers and loafers and a blue shirt and have a gut and just can't move. Just that I, that has no interest to me, man. So, you know, you can call it a second midlife crisis or whatever, but uh, I'm just out here living life, enjoying it, man. That's the way to live, man. Nothing wrong with that. Nope. I was just curious if you're getting anything else pierced. <laughs> it's to be determined. There's still time. I mean, you got to live what you enjoy, and if you're doing that, that's all that matters. <laughs> Hell yeah. Go get those nipples pierced. Take a picture. Uh, video you know i'm in the video apparently god <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm afraid i'm afraid now i'm gonna get a text it'll be video from Jacques. i'm like oh god what is it matter of fact i'm finishing you another no video right no now. damn it don't <laughs> <laughs> oh no i think you'll like this one this one uh, uh, this one's pretty erotic what is that supposed to mean <laughs> yeah i'll send you this one you'll like this oh one, great yeah. just what i need <laughs> Boy, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, this is why. Try not to show this to. Try not to show this to to your lady friend. She may slide into my DMs later. Oh my god, I'm 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 horrified by what's about to happen. I feel like. I'll talk to you later, buddy. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, there's a podcast. The most most wheels off podcast. My God, apparently so. See, the people who didn't, who turned out the podcast already and didn't stay to the end are missing out on all of this. Dude, uh, when we do the promo tomorrow, I'll be like, don't turn this one off early. Stay oh, the whole way. Why did you show me that? Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, God. There's some. I can never unsee what I just saw. Ah, and on that note, well, we'll 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 leave you guys. Yeah. Have a great day. We'll talk to you on Monday. <laughs> Thanks for listening to the Jam Session podcast. Make sure to find us on Instagram at Jam Session Cast. Of course, you can also find us on Twitter at McMatt Radio and at JJT underscore journalist. Our podcast is sponsored by Greening Law, a personal injury law firm in Dallas, Texas. Greening Law fights the legal battle so you'll have time for healing and renewal. Give them a call at 972-934-8900. Greening Law, Office, Dallas, Texas. As always, thanks to Purple Elephant Music for the music you hear at the end and the beginning of each episode. He, of course, is the radio, TV, and now podcast star, the sexy Jean-Jacques Taylor. And me, I'm just a guy, Matt McLaren. We'll catch you next time right here on the Jam Session Podcast, available everywhere you listen to podcasts.